Well, good morning, College Park. Oh, I'll try that again. Good morning, College Park. Thank you. I'll be honest, the very first words of our text today send me back a few decades to my childhood. As a kid, I liked to sleep in on the weekends, who doesn't? And my parents each had their own way of trying to wake us up if we were running late to get to church on Sundays. My dad had a special way of waking us up. He'd walk into my older brother and I's rooms. He would grab, hold the light switch, start flickering it on and off and yell, rise and shine. (laughs) Not cool, not cool. Not a great way to start your day. My mom had a different version uh, of these two words, rise and shine, that wasn't as cruel as dad's, but every bit as annoying. She'd walk into our room and she'd sing a song from her childhood Sunday school years while joyfully clapping her hands together to the beat. Some of you know the song I'm about to sing. Why don't you join with me in singing it? She'd go, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. Somebody knew the clap in there. Somebody knew it. (laughs) My mom just, I I grew up on this song and I found out this week it has a a nice new title. It's called the Arky Arky Song. It's just as cute as it is annoying when you hear it at 7 a.m. So if any of you are tired this morning and you struggled getting out of bed, good morning, rise, shine. Uh, And you can thank my mom for that wonderful song. And now that you're awake, I'm gonna ask you to grab your Bible and turn with me, if you haven't already, to Isaiah chapter 60. Our text for today is in the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 60, and my hope is to touch on every verse of our text, so hold tight to that Bible this morning. But before we jump in, I want to give you a quick overview, a quick review, a refresher of the terrain that we've been studying in Isaiah. You see, Isaiah was a prophet of the southern kingdom of Judah in the late 8th or, or, and early 7th century B.C. His name, Isaiah, means the Lord, or Yahweh, saves. Yahweh is another name for the Lord from the Old Testament, and I'm going to be, it's just a name for God, and I'm going to be using God and Yahweh interchangeably this morning. But Isaiah's prophetic role was to call the Israelites, both the people of Judah and Israel, to repent from their sin and return to Yahweh, the God of all creation. And The book of Isaiah, briefly, it it can be divided into three big chunks or three big sections. And in each of these sections, Isaiah gives historic context as well as messianic context, and it's really important. In the first section, chapters one through 37, the historic context Isaiah is speaking of is of the Assyrian threat that the people of Israel faced. In the Messianic context is he prophesies of a coming Davidic king who would be their Messiah. That's section one. Section two, Isaiah prophesies of future Babylonian threat in the historic context, and he speaks of a Messiah that will be a suffering servant that would come and deliver the people. And then in the last section, the section we find our text this morning, chapters 56 through 66, 
Isaiah speaks of a future when Israel will be brought back from Babylonian captivity and he speaks of a future far, far beyond in the age to come. After all of this life is over, he speaks of a future place called Zion. And this Messiah in this context will be the conqueror who ushers his people into this beautiful eternal city called Zion. In, in this third section, this is where we'll spend our text this morning, but our chapter, chapter 60, is entirely focused on describing this future city of Zion. And if you're like me, you may be a little confused this morning when you hear the term Zion, and rightfully so, because this name is found all throughout the Old Testament. It's found over 150 times, and it actually has different nuances or different references to what it's talking about. Sometimes the term Zion is referring to the city of Jerusalem. Sometimes it refers to Yahweh's temple in Jerusalem or the hill that Yahweh's temple sat on. Other times it refers to the people of the nation of Judah or the people of Israel altogether, both the southern kingdom of Judah and the, the northern kingdom of Israel. So you can see it's, it's a little confusing when you hear Zion, but this morning's reference what, what Isaiah is speaking of when he uses the term Zion this morning has a very special, very specific meaning. And it refers to the heavenly Jerusalem, the place where the Messiah will appear at the end of time. You see, friends, our text today is a rare and extraordinary gem because the entire chapter is completely focused on describing this eternal city, Zion, that awaits us at the end of this age. It's the eternal city of God. It's the place that all of history is pointing towards and all of the universe is eagerly awaiting. It is the final resting and rejoicing place of those who follow Yahweh by believing in Jesus Christ, this Davidic king, this suffering servant, this mighty conqueror. Those who believe in him will find themselves one day in Zion. Another term you could use for Zion is the promised land. So here in chapter 60, Isaiah himself, 2,700 years ago, is transported and he transports us as well beyond his own time of Assyrian threats, beyond his, or the future time of Babylonian captivity and exile, beyond Israel's return from exile, beyond the first coming of this Davidic king, this Jesus, the Messiah, beyond his earthly ministry, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, beyond our day right now here in the 21st century to this eternal city of glory at the end of time after Jesus' second coming. We are studying that city this morning. And by examining Isaiah chapter 60, you and I being transported to the end of the age to examine the life that Jesus promises, we will find four descriptions and two big questions. That's it. This morning, studying Zion, we will find four descriptions of this beautiful city and two big questions. Are you with me so far? That's a lot of context. Oh, are you with me so far? I like, thank you, I like feedback. <laughs> thank you, Dale. Before we dig in, I wanna to get to my two questions. And though we won't engage with these questions until after we examine the text, my hope 
is that you will allow yourself this morning to marinate, I like that word, to, to marinate in them as we dig through. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a, qu- a Christian, my first question is for you. First, I should say, we're really glad that you're here today. You're welcome here. And I have a, a question for you. Do you believe in eternity? A better way to get at the point that I'm asking is, do you believe there is life after death? That's my first question. And my second question is for those of us who are Christians. Christian, what are you longing for in eternity? When you hear Zion, the new heaven, the new earth, the promised land, when you hear of eternity, what are you longing for? And we'll come back to those two questions, I promise, but for now, just let them simmer. Let them stew in the background of your mind. Now, with all that context, are you ready to dig into chapter 60? Are you ready to dig into chapter 60? (laughs) Sorry, I'm a little much, I know. Let's dig in. Four descriptions of Zion, and here's the first. The city of glorious light. The eternal city of Zion that awaits us is one which is filled with glorious light. Look with me in your Bibles at verses one through three. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Arise, shine. Notice that these first two words are actually commands. They're commands from Yahweh to his chosen people. The commands to arise and shine are actually meant to signify that a new day has dawned, a new age is upon them. And this word arise, it simply means to stand up. It means to stand. In Isaiah 59, the chapter immediately preceding ours that we studied two weeks ago, the people of Israel were described as being without justice and righteousness and surrounded by utter darkness that caused them to, quote, grope and stumble in their blindness. But here in chapter 60, there is a great reversal, and the people are able to stand because they are engulfed with magnificent light and because the glory of the Lord has arisen upon them. But what what does that mean? What does it mean that the glory of the Lord has risen upon his people? It means this, and don't miss this. It means that God, Yahweh himself, has come to his people. It means that Yahweh, the God of all the universe, is literally dwelling in Zion with his people. And friends, the presence of Yahweh is something of enormous significance. Very few humans after the Garden of Eden encountered the presence of Yahweh. Moses was one of them. He experienced God's presence first at the bush when he was introduced to God, when he was called, and second, while atop of Mount Sinai. And and 
when he, while preparing for Yahweh's glory to pass by Moses, AKA for his presence to pass, Yahweh explained to Moses in Exodus 33:20. 20, he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And to protect Moses, Yahweh hid him in the cleft of the rock to shelter him from this awesome and magnificent presence. In the presence of Yahweh, after Moses would later dwell in the tabernacle and then in the temple, but it was only in one specific room in the center of the temple called the Holies of Holies. But this specific room, as you might know, could only be accessed one day of year by one person, the priest. And the priest had a specific set of instructions and had he walked in and made one mistake to be in the presence of the Lord and to err meant to die. But Isaiah declares that God's presence will one day return to the earth at the end of the age in this new Zion. And his presence will be experienced as magnificent light that engulfs the city. But not only does it engulf the city, notice here that God's light will be upon, in, and shining through his people. This means that Yahweh is going to share his magnificent glory and his beautiful light with all who dwell there. And lastly, we see at the end of this text that this light will draw all the nations and the kings of the world. But we'll get to that more in a moment. Friends, Zion will be a place of glorious light because it will be the dwelling place of Yahweh himself. Would you respond to this first description this morning by saying, wow. Wow. Four descriptions of Zion. Description number two. The city of prosperous beauty. The eternal city of Zion that awaits us is one that is filled with first glorious light and second prosperous beauty. Look with me at verses four through nine. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaiot shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? That's imagery depicting ships. For the coastlands shall hope for me the ships of Tarshish first to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them. Note this, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Through this beautiful poetic imagery, Yahweh declares that this future Zion will be a city of magnificent beauty and outrageous prosperity. And some of us here today, we hear this word prosperity and we cringe because we know of the false gospel that has circulated for decades around our world called the prosperity gospel, where if you just believe in Jesus, you'll be rich immediately. 
And friends, that's not the prosperity in mind. That is a false gospel. God's word doesn't say you'll be rich in this life, but it absolutely does say you'll be rich in the next. (laughs) There will be beautiful prosperity when Jesus returns. And Yahweh declares that the people will prosper relationally because their children, and he's using imagery of those of Israel who have been carried away from the land. He's, he's saying they will, they, those who have been stripped away will, will one day return to the homeland. The nations will bring them. And they will prosper financially and economically because all nations and kings will come rushing to this beautiful city. And with them, they'll bring their abundance. As he says, their wealth, their camels, their flocks, their rams, their frankincense, their silver, their gold, and their many ships. But know that the city of Zion is beautiful, first, because of Yahweh's magnificent presence, and second, because this city will receive the most beautiful treasures of the earth, because all the nations will be eager and they will desire to praise and adore Yahweh. And because Yahweh is generous, he wants to bless and make beautiful his people. Friends, Zion will be a place of prosperous beauty. Would you respond to this second truth by saying, wow. Wow. Four descriptions of Zion. Description number three, the city of everlasting peace. The eternal city of Zion that awaits us is a paradise filled with glorious light, prosperous beauty, and third, everlasting peace. Look with me at verses 10 through 18. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be opened continually, day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish." Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you, note this, the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations and you shall nurse the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord Yahweh, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I'll bring you gold. Instead of iron, I'll bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze, instead of stones, iron, I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Wow. Do you not hunger for this place? As you hear that, here we find that Zion will be a city of everlasting peace and eternal security. Isaiah is showing this magnificent reversal of fortune that will take place for the people of God. 
Israel, remember, in Isaiah's day and centuries after was a people who were struck by God's judgment because of their sin. And the rod of Yahweh's disciplines was the nations of Assyria and Babylon. But in the new Zion, the nations will no longer be bearer of God's wrath and judgment, but we see that they will be bearer of God's mercy and beauty. This reversal of judgment to mercy, destruction to peace is seen clearly in the second half of verse 10 where Yahweh declares, I love this line, for in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. And what is the result of God's favor? That the nations and their kings who once tore down the walls of Jerusalem will now rebuild them. And the gates will never close because they are flooded day and night with rulers and peoples from all over the world bringing their praise and their gifts to Yahweh and to his children. Not only that, but all nations who do not honor Yahweh and his people will be destroyed. Zion will be a place with no enemies and a place of eternal peace where violence, devastation, and destruction won't exist, but where justice, righteousness, peace, praise, and salvation will have no end. Friends, Zion will be a place of everlasting peace. Would you respond to this third truth? You know what I'm gonna say. Wow. Four descriptions of Zion. Description number four. The city of Yahweh. This eternal city of Zion will be the city of Yahweh where the God of all creation will dwell with his people forever. Look with me at our final verses in 19 through 22. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous and they shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan and the smallest one a mighty nation. I love how this ends. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. Amen. In this final portion of chapter 60, Isaiah reiterates the truth that he declared at the very beginning in verses one through three in order to make his point crystal clear. Please don't miss this, friends. The point of Isaiah, or that Isaiah is trying to drive home here in chapter 60 is this. Zion is Zion for one reason, and one reason alone. It is because Yahweh dwells there. Isaiah wants us to realize that Zion is the dwelling place of God himself. Zion will be magnificent first and foremost and solely because it will be the dwelling place of Yahweh, the God of all the universe. Will Zion be a place of glorious light, prosperous beauty, and everlasting peace, as Isaiah mentioned? Yes, absolutely. But all of those descriptions are second to the primary description and purpose of Zion, 
Brothers and sisters, the people who dwell in Zion will have everything they need, and they will have everything because they will have Yahweh himself. In Yahweh's presence, we will encounter the immense and tremendous power that upholds, directs, sustains, and empowers the entire universe. Yahweh himself is true light, he is true power, he is true beauty, he is true goodness, true peace, true justice, true righteousness, true love, true joy, true life. And Yahweh is the meaning of life itself and in his presence, we will be made pure, made holy, and made perfect for all of eternity. We will have no need for sun or moon because we will have Yahweh, our everlasting light. We will have no mourning, no sadness, no loss, no pain, no hurt, no selfishness, no conflict, no strife, no cancer, no sickness, no death, no trauma, no childlessness, no debt, no terrorism, no wickedness, no weariness, no exhaustion, no struggle, no heartbreak, no fighting, no murder, no war, no sin. But why will we have all that? Because we will have the presence of Yahweh. He is our gift. And everything else that comes with it is just icing on the cake. Friends, Zion will be an everlasting realm of glory, light, prosperity, and beauty. And peace. Because Yahweh himself dwells there and his presence makes it that way. Friends, the central purpose of Isaiah 60 and this sermon today is to remind us that the eternal gift that Yahweh offers us through his son, Jesus Christ, is himself. God himself is our eternal prize, and all the beautiful things that he provides in Zion are second. The glory that we will receive and that will shine through us is second place to Yahweh. The prosperous wealth, the magnificent beauty we will enjoy is second place to being with Yahweh. The everlasting peace and righteousness and the sinless life is second place to being with Yahweh. Brothers and sisters, to get right down to it, the point of heaven, the point of this Zion, the point of the promised land is to be with Yahweh. He is our eternal prize to dwell with him forever. Now, back to my two questions. The first question, as I mentioned earlier, is for those here today who are not yet Christians. Friend, I have to ask you, do you believe in eternity? Do you believe there is life after death. To ponder this question, to ponder life after death, is actually to ponder the meaning of life itself. And friends, there is only one way to have true life, both right now and in eternity. And that is to live for Yahweh through his son, Jesus Christ, the son of God. Jesus was Yahweh in the flesh who stepped out of heaven 2,000 years ago, took on human flesh, lived the perfect and sinless life that you and I couldn't, died a perfect death, all atoning death on the cross in our place for our sin, was raised to life and defeated death and sin once and for all to offer you and I true and unending life in him and all who would believe in him. 
And this same Jesus, as we celebrated last week, ascended into heaven where he sits today, waiting to return and make all things new and to usher all who believe in him and call him Lord and Savior into this eternal city and into his presence forever. That is what is called the gospel. That is true life. Now, Christian, I have a question for you as well. What are you longing for in eternity? When you think of eternity in heaven, in Zion, what is it that you are longing for right now? If we're honest with ourselves, we don't talk about this concept of Zion, we don't talk about heaven and the age to come very often, but the few times that we do, it often revolves around the pain that we cannot wait to be free from in this life. So I ask again, what is it that you are longing for in eternity? Personally, I'm longing for freedom from my never-ending struggle with selfish desires and self-idolatry. I'm longing for freedom from this crystal clear awareness in my head of my never-ending failures and shortcomings and the overwhelming anxiety that floods my chest I'm longing for true rest. I'm longing for the day where I don't have to hear, you're a failure. Maybe you're longing for freedom from past sin or present sin that you're plagued by. Freedom from the memories of people that you've hurt or an addiction that you wish you never had to struggle with. Maybe you're here this morning clean or sober for years, but you're still living with the fear of relapse due to that underlying craving that's never really gone away. And you're longing for the fullness of peace and joy that awaits us with Yahweh. Maybe you're longing for justice, either for wrong that's been done to you or to someone you love. And you long for that day when all is going to be made right and the scars of what's been done to you or the person you love will no longer be able to reach you. Maybe you're longing for eternity where you'll no longer need to worry about bills or making ends meet. Maybe life has been one financial struggle after another and you're longing for this eternal provision that Yahweh promises. Or maybe... You're longing to be reunited with a loved one, a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend who's no longer with us. Friends, all these things, all these longings are good gifts that God promises to us in Zion. Sins forgiven, never to return vindication, justice, righteousness, where all wrongs will be made right, beautiful prosperity and provision for all, where no one will ever hunger or thirst, an eternity with no more death, pain, or tears, and where we lose those who, uh, and, and we'll never lose those who believe in Jesus. They won't be taken from us again. But brothers and sisters, I want to say this with an extraordinary amount of love and compassion. Please hear my heart in this today. Though all these things are true of eternity with Jesus, 
and God promises them to us. They're not the primary gift or even the purpose of heaven. The true gift will be Yahweh himself. And the true purpose will be to honor and glorify him and we will be washed over and overwhelmed with praise, adoration, and love for God. And everything else, though good and beautiful, will be second and will pale in comparison to being with Yahweh. And you might be thinking this morning, hey Evan, this is great, eternity sounds amazing, but how does it impact, how does it impact me today? And friends, the, the truth of eternity is the truth of life today. The purpose of your life, the very reason God created you is to dwell with him and to worship him and to bring him glory. And you are called to live out this truth of being created for God, to worship him, to surrender your life to him. You are called to live out this truth every moment of your life. Christian, if you believe in Jesus, the one who declared that he is the light of the world, if you call him Lord and Savior, then his spirit dwells in you right now. And you are called, just like at the beginning of our text, to rise and shine, for the Lord is with you and he's in you. To summarize Isaiah 60 in this message, and only a few love-filled words, no, love-filled words. Life now and eternity later are not about you. They're about Yahweh. So live in that beautiful reality. It's not about us. It's all about him. Arise, brother, Arise, sister, shine. The Spirit of God dwells in you and shines through you. And He is your life. I'd like to ask you to close your eyes this morning as we close. And I'd like to read a text from Revelation 21. Isaiah wasn't the only one to declare what Zion looked like. So as we close, hear this truth. John says in Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, Zion, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, soak these words in. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, because we are with him. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being our life now 
end in eternity. Let this truth shine through us. In Jesus' name, amen.